Welcome to English in 10 Minutes, real, unscripted English conversations about people, places, and their stories. After you listen to the episode, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. Today I'm talking to my friend Helen, and Helen, you're English, but you are an interpreter, and so you speak French and Russian, right? That is correct, yes. Okay, so let's talk about Russian. Uh, when did you start learning Russian? Well, I started when I was 12 years old uh, at secondary school. I had done a year of French before that, and I was offered the option of either Latin, German or Russian. So uh, I decided to choose Russian. <laughs> and so this would have been probably in the early 90s? That's right, yes, it was. Oh, goodness, giving my age away. Um, it was 1992. Okay, so it's interesting that I guess this was probably right at the time when essentially Russian was about to decline as a language with the fall of the Soviet Union. But now you work as an interpreter for international organizations which can be a bit slow in, uh, in developing with their bureaucracies. So yeah. Russian is still super important. Oh, certainly. Yes, yes. There's, there's still plenty of Russian spoken in the international organizations. It's offered at most of the meetings. Um, and yeah, there, there's quite a bit of Russian spoken by not only Russian Federation, of course, but, for example, Belarus, you have the Central Asian Republics, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan and the others, and a lot of them will use Russian in the meetings. Okay, and so obviously language teaching in high school, especially in Anglophone countries, is not very good, usually, <laughs> yeah. so you must have done a lot more beyond just your high school Russian. Well, when I started Russian, it was... As you, any other subject, really, you do your set number of hours and then you think, oh, phew, right, I can go and do something else, maths or, I don't know, physics. Um, but as I went on, I got more and more interested in languages in general and Russian in particular. And I was lucky enough to be part of a school exchange. We went to Belarus in 1995. So that was quite an experience and that really piqued my interest. And I think from then on, I was much more willing to do a lot more than just the basics to get through an exam. That must have been really amazing, because even today, this is more than 20 years later, Belarus is still kind of the the most closed of the yes. the European former Soviet countries. Yes, right? that's right, that's right. Um, I haven't been to Belarus, I have to admit, since about 1997, so I, I couldn't say what it's like now on a daily basis, mm -hmm. obviously you hear certain things in the media, you get to know a certain bit about, uh, a certain amount about the, the politics and, um, and, and higher levels of, of what's going on. But um, I couldn't say I know a lot about it now, but in 95 and 97, it was a completely different world. I'd never been abroad. Oh, and wow. the first country I visited was Belarus. Okay. And so what, what was it like? Um, well, we stayed with families who were amazing, really, really hospitable, fantastically generous. We were taken around to various places in in the, in Borisov, which was the city we were staying in. We went to the theatre, um, we went to museums, and we went to also went to Minsk as part of our trip. And uh, I, I really had nothing. To compare it, with, I hadn't been abroad, but it was 
a completely different world, totally, totally different from anything I'd I'd seen or or heard of before. So it was utterly fascinating for me. And did you already have a decent enough level in Russian at that time to survive? No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not, no. Um, I think you only really realise your level of the language, of any language, when you go to the country and you try and use it or you're surrounded by people who are speaking uh, in the street or on the bus or whatever. Um, I realised that my level was very, very, very basic. Uh, I was lucky enough to be staying with a family um, with an exchange student who had very good English um, they had amazing teachers out there as well and they seemed to be progressing a lot quicker with their English than we were with our Russian um but it was uh, it was a fascinating uh, cultural experience and it really made me want to learn more of the language and understand more even purely because of the frustration of not actually being able to say anything at that time so and is the attraction for you then the sound of the language or the structure of the language or the culture of the people who speak it it's cultural and I think the sounds and it's a challenge as well Russian is a huge challenge the structure is so different uh, to to French or Spanish or, or in German um, it was the challenge that that got me interested and the challenge that that kept me going I thought well if I can hold a basic conversation then that's you know, huge brownie points for me sort of thing and then if I could go and deal with a certain amount of bureaucracy when I was living in Russia later on um, I felt a huge achievement doing that as well so it was the challenge and also the cultural aspects as well that were really interesting for me. Okay so how long did you live in Russia? I lived I lived in Russia for a year uh, after I graduated from from secondary school and then a year after I graduated from university as well. Um, So there was sort of four years between the two, but I did feel like I was building, 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 obviously studying that university. Um, And actually, after I graduated from university and I'd lived in Russia for a year, I had, I had, a pretty good level of Russian and I could converse in most situations. So that was And now that you're great. kind of out of that environment, do you feel like you're losing it a little bit? Yeah, yeah, you always do. If you're not totally immersed in the environment, I try to have Skype conversation classes um, when I'm at home in London or when I'm in Geneva, I try and meet up with Russian-speaking friends and speak Russian with them as well. So there are ways of, of keeping it going and obviously listening to podcasts, listening to the radio, possibly watching TV when I can in, in Russian. There are ways of keeping it going, but it's no substitute for actually being in the country and, and, and speaking it on a daily basis. Right. And when you do your interpreting work uh, with the international organisations, I imagine a lot of the the things that they that you have to interpret are incredibly difficult in terms of vocabulary and it's yes. not just your normal conversations. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, it's definitely not your normal conversations. You get all sorts of um technical meetings, you have quite high level meetings, some things can get very political, other things are not political but they're difficult because they're so technical, you have to learn different vocabulary for each meeting pretty much and you're in and out of a meeting you could be in and out of a meeting in a day and then on to something else the next day so you have to be quite 
quick with your reflexes and also have a good system of, of glossaries. You have to keep going. <laughs> okay, and you have two daughters. I do. And one is four and the other one is less than one. That's right. And are you starting them down a kind of Russian learning path? Oh, well, I'd like to say yes. Um, I'd like to. I would really like them to learn Russian. I'm starting with French purely because I think it's a little bit easier and they may well get a bit more practice. Um, eventually, I'd, I'd love them to speak Russian or at least understand little bits and pieces of Russian. But I'm hoping that they will inherit my interest for languages. But we will wait and see, wait and see. Yeah, because they might inherit your husband's lack of interest oh. for languages, might <laughs> Maybe. No, he, he is interested, but, you know, he has other, other things that he has to deal with on a daily basis. So. Okay. And do you have any plans to go back to a Russian-speaking area? Um, well, I'd like to visit Moscow. I've got some friends who live in Moscow, and they also have small children. Uh, so I've taken my, my eldest daughter out there once when she was less than one. Um, so I like to, to, to visit and I like them to, to sort of feel that they can go to different places and, it's, and, and, and visit different, uh, different cultures. And I, I hope, I hope that they will, uh, yes, they will get an interest for the world outside of the UK, basically. All right. Well, thank you very much for talking to us about Russian. Thank you. listening to English in 10 Minutes. To download a worksheet for this episode, including the most useful vocabulary and a full transcript of the conversation, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com.